We're talking about vision. We've been talking about vision for two weeks. I, I think this is the last week, except I said something in the first service that made me think, I think I got one more in me. So, but I think I'm done, but we'll see. We're talking about vision. We're not talking about eyesight. We're talking about insight. We're not talking about what we see with these eyes. We're talking about seeing by faith, seeing through the lens of the word of God, being led by the spirit of God. And walking in all that God has for us. So um, Genesis chapter 15. The Lord took Abram outside. He was in his tent complaining about the fact that God promised him a child and he had no children. He's in his tent. He's complaining to God. He's telling God, God, what am I going to do? God said, let's go outside. And he told him, look up. Everybody say, look up. Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord. And now we see a shift because chapters 12, 13, and 14, we don't get that. We get that God and Abram were in a relationship, but now Abram finally has faith. It's a big deal because I think there's a lot of people who, I think they love God. I think they believe in God, but they haven't believed God yet. I think that's enough. I think I'm good. Okay, we'll see you next week. That's, no, but that'll really, that'll really help you. Because there, come, there comes a point, it's, it's Hebrews eleven six. One must One who comes to God must believe in him. And must believe he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, it's one thing to go, yeah, I believe in God. It's another thing to believe God. Abram makes the shift and goes, okay, I believe you. I believe you. I believe you. But now we get to chapter 16. So Sarai said to Abram, now now again, they've waited 25 years to have this boy named Isaac. Still hasn't happened. From the promise in Genesis 12... To chapter 15, they have waited 25 years. Still hasn't happened. So now in chapter 16, Sarai said to Abraham, who would become Sarah, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. Okay, Abram, look what he said. This dirty dog. (laughs) Remember, Sarai's 90. And her servant's probably in her 20s. So Abram agrees. I mean, I get for the Lord, I guess. So Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So let me just talk to the husbands real quick. There's stuff in the Bible that's true, but it isn't good. Like adding someone to the bedroom. Not good, not good, not good, not God, not allowed. Okay. Well, Abraham, yeah, just because it happened doesn't mean it was God's will. It actually created a massive mess, okay? So no, no. Okay, just wanted to, because sometimes you'll read things in the Bible, you're like, hey, that's for me. No, it's not. (laughs) I found my scripture. No, you didn't find your scripture. I feel like I needed to clarify for the saints. Okay, God says, God says, get out of the tent, look up. And count the stars. I want to talk for just a few minutes today from the subject requirements for a vision. Requirements for 
a vision. Father, I pray you speak to us now in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. amen and amen. Requirements for a vision. So we've, we've, we've been camping out in Proverbs 29, verse 18. Uh, the proverb writer says, where there is no vision, where there is no prophetic insight, if, if you cannot see what God is doing, where there is no vision, the people perish. This word perish means they, they run wild. They, uh, they lose restraint. Order will disappear. Literally one of the uh, translations there says that. Order will, without a vision, order disappears. Without a vision, structure disappears. Without a vision, restraint disappears. Without a vision, you run wild. You, you go from here to there. You go to and fro. You go left and right, but you never move forward without a vision, without prophetic insight. Again, not eyesight, insight. Not, not what you see here, but what you see here. Not, not what you see just all around you, but what you can see by the eyes of faith. And I'm, and I'm challenging you again, because 2020 was very challenging, and I understand it, and 2020 was very much about we got to just survive, and I understand it, but I want to get us from surviving to thriving. I want to get us from how do I just protect me and mine and ours and how do we see into the future and receive all that God has for us. There's, there's nothing wrong with, with protecting yourself, but, there, but, but we can't live in survival forever. Eventually, we have to enter Romans chapter 15 that the God of hope would fill us with all joy and with all peace and with all hope that we could see the future, that we could enter into what God has for us. Come on, somebody. Am I talking to you now? That I don't get so obsessed with the here and now that I miss out on what God wants to do. So eyesight shows us what is. Regret shows us what could have been. But vision shows us what could be. Every person in this room is living in one of these. Some of you are living in eyesight. What is? And you're, and you're just stuck in what is. Some of you are living in regret. What could have been? Why didn't I do that? Why didn't I say that? Why didn't I go there? Why did I? Oh, man, why did I do that? Man, why did I sign that? Man, why did I? Regret. What could have been? But vision, vision, vision takes me into what could be. Yeah? Because, because the eyesight isn't changing anything and regret won't change anything. But vision can change my future. And, and I want to get you into vision, not in regret, not in just eyesight. When I, when I say that, I'm not saying that I deny what is, but I have to keep my eyes on the future. Or what is will turn into what always has been. And then I never step into that promise that God originally gave to me. Now, I've been thinking about regret a lot, and I posted about this on my Instagram this week, and I want to go a little deeper with this. Regret is so painful because it is connected to a memory. So the reason that regret is so painful is because you can, you can think about it and feel it. Hello. Am I talking to anybody? Is this mic on? Okay. How, how many know that a moment of regret, you can be triggered, you can be triggered by any of your five senses? You could see something and it can remind you. You can hear something. You can hear a song. You're just trying to go through Target. And that song comes like, oh, that was our song. Yeah. 
You smell something. You go, oh man, that was her perfume or that was his cologne. Or... You, you have deja vu and it brings you back to a moment. Regret is so real to us and can have so much power over us because we have memories connected to it. Vision is so hard. I'm in, I'm in week three and some of you are like, I'm trying. It's hard because you've never seen it before. You've never been there before. You don't have your five senses to show it to you. So it's so easy to live in regret. It's so easy to live in what could have been because you have an emotional tie to it. See, there is a reference point to regret. So you can always go back to the emotion, the sound, the smells, the sights, whatever it was. You can go back to it. Vision doesn't have a reference point. So vision feels awkward. Joseph starts trying to tell his brothers about his vision and it, it, it creates turmoil and it creates hatred and it creates confusion. And Joseph tries to tell his father about his vision, about his dream and his father gets frustrated with him because it, it, it's just kind of, it's kind of out there. It's ethereal. The regret has, has very much, you can clearly see it. Regret is very black and white. Vision is very gray. And you start talking that way and people go, oh, you're just a big talker. Well, I am a big talker, but I want to become a big walker. But I got to start talking it before I can walk it. Some of y'all look at me that way. You go, look at this little building. You talking so big. I ain't talking big. I have to talk big. I have to talk big or this building will lie to me. I have to talk big and I got to talk to that camera Or the smallness of 50 by 50 will lie to me. I have to talk big because there's 2.2 million people out there that need Jesus. So it isn't about, well, the room's full. Who cares about the room being full? It's about how many people are not here. I got to... Okay. So so I want to get you into vision and out of regret. Regret will keep you stuck in the past. Eyesight will keep you stuck in the present, but vision allows you to see into the future. So we're talking about requirements of vision. Let me, let me give you three really quick. Number one, you have to get out of your tent. You got to get out of your tent. Abraham, Abram is in his tent, verse five, and the Lord said, come outside. Abraham is in his, tent, in his tent complaining about what has not happened. Now, I'm not judging him, but in chapter 12, God said, I'm going to make you a great nation. You're going to be a father to many. Now, here we are, chapter 15, 25 years later. He was 75 when God gave him that promise. He's now 100 years old, and he's in his tent saying, God, where is it? God, what happened? God, you said. God, you promised. Why isn't it coming to pass? I'm not judging him. I'm not judging Sarai for finally saying, I'm, I'm done trying. I understand disappointment. I understand that heartache. I understand. See, because that, that's even another thing. I start preaching this way and the devil goes, but it hasn't worked yet. 
but you've been in church for so long, but you've been believing for so long, but you've tried, Jabin, you, uh, people are, are saying it right now in their heads and the devil's speaking to you right now going, you've tried this. Your last pastor talked about this. You saw that one guy on TV talk about You've tried all this before. And I understand how it can be so easy to just get stuck in the tent going, God, where are you? So God says, I got to get you outside. I, I got I to get you out because, because it is just so easy to just get stuck in here. Oh, man, I'm claustrophobic. I don't like small things. And I've never been in a tent in my life. How many, how many of y'all know that's the God honest truth, right? I don't do tents. I do hotels. Someone said four seasons. Amen. I enjoy the, I enjoy the four seasons of nature in a four seasons. Amen. Don't worry, I use points. But I don't use, but I don't use the credit card, Dave Ramsey. But anyway, um, why do I feel like I have to justify everything I do? Okay, anyway. <laughs> it, it's so easy to get stuck in, in the small complaining to God about what has not yet happened. And y'all, I've, I've felt stuck in a tent before. I know that there are people right now, you feel stuck in the limitations. Limitations of small. Stuck in the limitations of not enough. Stuck in the tent of quarantine. Stuck in the tent of your past. I want to look to my future, but, but I'm still tied to my past. Stuck in the tent of regret. Stuck in the tent of shame. Stuck in the tent of bitterness. I want to get free, but I'm still so mad. Stuck in the tent of family history. I want to believe, but I've never seen it. I never saw dad do it. I never saw mom do it. I, I don't have a rich uncle to learn from. I don't have a, a, a healthy family to look to. I, I've never seen it. I, I want to do it, Jabin. But all I know is this limitation. All I know is small. All I know is divorce. All I know is alcoholism. All I know is drug addiction. All I know is strip clubs. All I know is gambling. All I know is anger. All I know is hatred. All I know is prejudice. It's all I know. I've never gotten out of here before. I hear what you're saying and I like it, but I'm stuck. Stuck in old thinking patterns. Stuck in addictions. I don't want to be addicted. I don't like that I'm hiding this part of my life from my family. I don't want this, but I'm stuck. I'm in a tent called small. I'm in a tent called limitation. I'm in a, I'm in a tent called not enough. Jabin, I have a promise, but where I am looks nothing like what God told me. And if you're there, you're in good company. And if you're there, here's what God is saying. You, you, you got to get out. You, you got to get, you, you, you got to get out of here. Because, because the tent is lying to you. Hi. Hello. Small is lying to you. Small will, the, the tent will make you say things like Sarah I said. Well, the Lord is preventing me. The Lord isn't. Well, I guess, I, gotta, I guess we got to have a baby through Hagar. No, no, God isn't in that. 
But, but when you've been stuck in small for so long, I, and I know, I know even, even being in a church like this can be jarring because of the things that I say. And you go, that doesn't line up with my life. But we do that on purpose because I'm trying to get you to think bigger. I'm, every week I'm trying to get you out of the tent. That's why we sing songs that are so up and so faith-filled. I will declare victory is come. Why, why do we say things like that? Because we're just trying to get you talking good. You can do all things but fail. You've never lost a battle. Maybe you're thinking, I feel like I've lost at least 10. But we got to get you saying what God says. Because we could be a church for tent dwellers. Man, life is so hard. I know it's terrible. I know. But God understands. We're going to make it to the other side one day. And you know what? People love churches like that. Because they just talk right to your crap. They, they, they talk right to your stinking thinking. They talk right to your smallness. And they'll keep you there. But God is saying, God is saying, get, get out of there. Get, get out of the tent. And look up. Stop looking at what is. Stop looking at what could have been. Stop looking at why hasn't it happened. And look up. And, and, and here's what he says. He says, I count the stars. Stop complaining and start counting. Yes, preacher. Stop, stop complaining and start counting. Because God knows I have to change your thinking. Like, Abraham, you, you just don't believe me yet, bro. We have talked, and you don't believe me. I made you a promise, and you don't believe me. I've been so good for 25 years, but you don't believe me in this area. So I need you to look up. I need you to get out of the tent of small and limitation. And I need you to see what could be, because God knows, Proverbs 23, 7, that as a man thinketh, so is he. As a man thinketh, so is he. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, one thing, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Think. Get, get out of small and think different. Get out of small and think bigger. Get out of small and think on a greater level. And finally, finally it happens. And Abraham believed God. Finally he got there. Number two, God's word usually doesn't look like my world. Hello. Anybody been there? God's word usually doesn't look like my world. He says, look up to the sky and count the stars. Abram, you don't have any children. Start counting stars. Abram, you don't even have one child. Watch what I'm going to do in your life. Big difference. Um, not even similar. Not even close. Not even like, okay, I can wrap my head around it. 
Hello? Not, like God could have said, look at those trees. Count those trees. Pretty trees. Happy trees. I could have said, count the trees. Count the trees. Bob Ross, I feel like I got to tell you now, Bob Ross. Dear Jesus, that one died. <laughs> that joke, that's the moat of dead jokes. That's where they die. It's where they go to hell. They, they die and go to hell. And never come back to my sermon again. Amen. Um, he could have said, look at the trees. And Abraham could have, one, two, three. Okay, there's about 400 trees. God goes, yeah, yeah, man, that's what I'm going to do. Bro, look at all those tents and those houses. That's what I'm going to do. Oh, yeah, okay, I can wrap my head around that. He could have said, look to the birds. He said, look at the stars. Because Abraham could have wrapped his mind around those things. So God said, I have to, I have to put something in you that you know that you know that you know you cannot do without me. Because if it makes sense, it's probably not God. If it's like, oh, I can do that, too small. Oh, we, oh, easy, too small. God says, I, I've got to give you a, a picture, a vision of something that puts a knot in your stomach. I've got I to gotta put a picture in you that, that makes sweat go down your forehead. I've got to put a picture in you that makes you go, oh, my God, I could never do that. God goes, exactly, but I can do that. And so that's where I want you. I don't want you looking at what you could do. I want you looking at what I could do. And God does this multiple times with Abraham where he says, look to the stars and look to the sand. Try to count it. You can't. That's what I want to do in your life. That's a God vision. This is, this is God, Ephesians 3.20. This is God now unto him who is able to do exceedingly. Come on, abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works within us to him. To that God, to that Jesus be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. God wants to do exceedingly. God wants to do abundantly. God wants to do above. So think about it. God wants to do exceedingly. Pray about it. God wants to do above. Fast about it. God wants to go beyond. This is who God is. He's the God of more than enough. He is El Shaddai. He is the God that never runs out. This is your God. He's an awesome God. And I know right now his word doesn't look like your world. But if you could ever start counting stars, you could start seeing God. Lastly, you're going to have to trust God's timing. <sighs> timing, timing, timing. Um, all, all the husbands in here know that your five minutes and your wife's five minutes are not the same, right? We all know that. I just need five minutes to get ready. I'm going to go sit down. <laughs> We know it's not the same. We know. I just want you to know, your five minutes and God's five minutes are not the same. Like your time and God's time are not the same. God actually said a day to me is like a thousand years. 
And a thousand years to me is like a day. In other words, I'm not, I'm not on this. I'm not on this. I'm, I'm on my own time. I'm on my own schedule. And, and you're not going to get, you're not going to get me on your schedule. I know believers that will live their whole life trying to get God on their schedule. And I know very few that finally go, all right, okay, I'll get on your schedule. What's your schedule? So after 25 years, Sarai finally goes, just sleep with my assistant. I guess, I guess we can have a child through her. That woman's name was Hagar. Listen to me. There will always be a Hagar available. Hagar had a boy named Ishmael. There will always be an Ishmael. And you could have Sarah and you could have Isaac. Or you could have Hagar and you could have Ishmael. One takes 25 years. One takes one time. One takes a long, slow process called faith. One is, I'm going to do it my way. It, it looks similar, but it's not. It, I don't know if you've played that game with your kids where you get two pictures and one is not like the other. But they look so close, but but they're just a little bit different. And can I tell you, the devil will offer you a picture, a vision, and go, it's not everything God promised you, but it's faster. It's not everything God told you was going to happen, but it's easier. It's not everything God said I was going to give you, but, but it's right now. You got to trust God's timing. Never forget this. The arm of the flesh can usually produce faster results than the hand of God. The arm of the flesh can usually produce faster results than the hand of God. And you go, but, but why can't God just do it right now? Because God, God knows you're not ready right now. God knows you think you're ready, but you're not ready. So when my four-year-old goes, Dad, I'll drive. Why? Because she has a little electric car that she drives. And she thinks that little electric car is like the big car. So, Dad, I'll drive to church. She thinks she's ready. She's not ready. And it would be abuse for me to give her something she's not ready for. So, so look what God promises the children of Israel in Exodus 23, 30. He said, I'm going to give you the land, but I'm going to give it to you little by little. <laughs> little by little. It, it's not all going to happen at once. Why? Until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. I, I've got I've to do it little by little because if I do it big by big, you will not be big enough when it's time to take on certain giants, certain enemies, certain things that you're going to have to face. So I got to give it to you little by little. Because if I gave it to you all at once, it would crush you. So I have to give it to you little by little. And we don't like little by little. We like glory to glory. I go from faith to faith. I'm going from strength to strength. I heard one preacher say that 
They mistranslated those Greek and Hebrew words, and it shouldn't be glory to glory. It should be glory to... Glory. I'm going from strength to strength. I'm going from faith to faith. Little by little. We don't like little by little. We don't like little by little. We like fast. We like water to wine. We, we take one miracle of Jesus and try to base our whole life of, off of it. He's like, I only did that once. Like, Here's what I've learned. God's process is always slower than I want, but the results are better than I could have imagined. And I know, and I know that was the most pitiful, depressed clap I've ever heard in church, but that's okay. It's okay. Because it was real. It was genuine. Okay. When's lunch? But... If you could ever embrace this, because listen, it doesn't matter how mad you get and how long you sit in that tent complaining, until you have increased, you ain't getting the land. So stop, and every day you complain, you just slow the process. So the best thing to do is just embrace it and go slow. You have to decide, do you want a beautiful, slow, fall-off-the-bone crock-pot, beef short rib, carrots, potatoes, little tomato paste, garlic, onion, celery, or do you want a Hot Pocket? Some of you are going, I want a Hot Pocket. Yeah, because your tastes have not matured. Because you burnt off your taste buds with a Hot Pocket. And I know so many Christians that have, have settled for a Hot Pocket Christianity. And God's going, I am cooking something up for you that will be so fire. But if you eat the Hot Pocket, you're going to lose your appetite for the good God thing I have for you. Do I, do I want something oven baked or do I want something microwaved? Because when you put something in the oven, you just have to be at peace with it and forget it. But if you put it in the microwave, you just stare at it and you just let all that radiation get right into the... You open. Now it's done. And I know so many Christians and you go, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. I'm just waiting on God. You're not waiting on God. You're not waiting on God. You're trying to make something happen faster. Waiting on God is, I'm good because I threw it in the oven and I'm trusting the chef and I'm trusting God and I'm trusting that it'll be done when he said it'll be done. 
And I don't know why I'm talking about food. I must be hungry, but I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. I know so many people, and we call it waiting. We're not waiting. We're whining. (sighs) We're not waiting. We're staring at a microwave. That's not faith. That's not waiting. That's not patience. That's not godly. Waiting or whining, waiting or whining. Somebody mentioned me in a post today about waiting or whining. What are you gonna, what are you gonna do? Because, because I know there's been so many times in my life that I that I thought I was waiting. I thought I was Isaiah 40. I thought I was waiting on the Lord. I was gonna renew my strength. And you wonder why aren't I getting stronger? You're not getting stronger because you're not waiting. You're whining. Last scripture, I got to go. Uh, let me have Zach come up. Habakkuk said this. God, God spoke through the prophet. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3. The vision is for an appointed time. That's what I'm talking about. It's God's time. But at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, though it takes longer than you want, wait for it. Because it will surely come. So, so vision is about perseverance. Vision is about, I could, I could stay stuck in the tent complaining for the rest of my life. Or I could take a walk with God. I could look up. And I could do it God's way. And Hagar will come and Ishmael will come. And, and, and second best will come to try to but, I, but I'm going to wait, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to do it God's way. Do it God's way. I'm going to go little by little. It's not what I want. But I'm going to go little by little. Right, let, let me talk to married couples. Your marriage is not going to, if your marriage is struggling right now, it's not just going to get better. I tried counseling. We went. I took her on a date. Little by little little by little conversation by conversation prayer by prayer date by date counseling session by counseling session little by little and and you wanted it to happen in six hours but six months later you go wow God has done something amazing in our relationship Well, I want to get along better with my teenagers. I'm just trying, little by little. Well, I want to make more money this year. Little by little. I mean, you, we just look at you, a get-rich-quick idea like the stock market over the last few days and what happened with GameStop. And some of you, man, you really hurt yourself. And I, no condemnation. We're not living in regret. Amen. Amen. <laughs> That's allowed it. Praise God. And you know what? I just didn't invest. Because it's not part of my strategy. I have a vision. I'm going to make money. Little by little. Dave Portnoy or whatever his name is, is not my financial advisor. What's that barstool guy? He is not my guy. I don't even, okay. No one knows what I'm talking about. Little by little. Little by little. I'm not trying to get rich quick. Little by little. Little by little. 
Try to make wise investments little by little. Sometimes they really pay off. Sometimes they take a lot longer, little by little. And we could go on and on and on and on. I want you to embrace that because it's such a big part of vision. Such a big part, it's such a big part of the requirement of vision is to, is to know where you want to go and then slow and steady you go there. Little by little. So, Father, I pray that over these last three weeks that we've discussed this, I pray that now, Lord, you would release something in us for our future. My prayer from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, is that you would open the eyes of our understanding, that we would, we would see how you see, that you would give us the faith and patience to see your promises come to pass, that we would get out of the tent of smallness, limitation, our past, and into looking up into the future that you have for us. Lord, I'm praying that this church and the people of this church would always live by vision, never by regret, never by the right here, right now, but by the promises of God for our future. I thank you that you are the God of hope, filling us with all hope, all joy, all peace. And we're expectant for what you have for us in Jesus' name.